Hello and welcome to 353rd. I'm Scott Barstow. And I'm Anders Brownworth. Anders, how are you today? Excellent. I'm loving the talking heads. Uh, this must be the place. Naive Melody. <laughs> Indeed. One of, the, one, of the, uh, one of the greatest songs of all time, if only because it was a part of one of the best, greatest movies of all time. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, we will. Actually, you know, the String Cheese Incident uh, uh, did a cover of this song, Naive Melody. Uh, really? Very, very good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. I've never heard it. Up. Oh, it's great. It's great. I'm going to have to check that out. So yeah. Anders, uh, Anders comes to you live from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I'm sitting in Raleigh, North Carolina. We talked a little bit last time about how we record the show. We use uh, Skype uh, to record the call. And uh, what's the what's our plug-in app, Anders? Call Recorder? Uh, call Recorder, yeah. It's just this little plug-in. I think you have to buy it. I forget. I bought it too long ago to remember, uh, but I'm sure you have to pay. And uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Gives you a little red button, hit record, and makes a uh, file on your machine, and, and you're good to go. So it's a good way to go if you uh, want to do podcasts right from Skype. So talk about uh, what talk about the tools you use just in the thirty seconds or less to cut the show up and all of that. Yeah, so I've I've done a couple of other podcasts which you may or may not have heard of. The probably the most famous one would be Twelve Byzantine Rulers, which was written up in the New York Times. Over the years, we've changed, but uh, uh, you know we used to record with actual physical mics and a, and a hardware recorder and all that kind of thing. Uh, more recently, we've moved to using Skype and, and uh, using this application for the Mac called Sound Studio, uh, which is pretty fantastic. It's uh, you know kind of uh, Pro Tools light. Uh, I don't know if it's forty bucks. It's it's cheap, so it's a great little tool. Allows you to just do simple edits and and uh, you know normalize volume and and bring in audio clips and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's pretty basic, but uh, you know well rounded app it uh, doesn't crash it's nice great stuff yeah great great stuff so our first part of the show we we call rewind and we like to take a look back quickly over the last week in technology news and i think for me one of the most interesting things that happened over the last week was uh the chromebook release yes indeed <laughs> and uh and it was uh it was received with uh I probably depended on the circles that you were running in, but it, there was seemed to be a lukewarm reception. Um, so I guess my question to you, Anders, is: uh, Do you think that uh, what do you think about Chromebook, and do you think that we're ready um, to move toward that kind of uh, you know that kind of system yet? Yeah, that, it's a great question. I think it's. I think it's. So let fantastic. me jump in. Let me jump in. Let's yeah, talk go, a little go. bit about uh, about what Chromebook is and why it's significant. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> the idea behind Chromebook is that all of your data is stored in the cloud. Period. There is no local storage, um, and and it is a it is a web operating system as they like to call it. And um, and so anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there for for any of our listeners that aren't. Uh, and feel free to expound on that if you feel yeah. like you need to. Yeah, actually, so, so uh, you can plug in like flash drives and use that, uh, particularly really use content off of that and put it up on the web, uh, right. on the net. Right. That's the, so there is a little bit of uh, sort of a local file system idea in it, but, but not much. You're right. For the most part, it's, it's pretty much a black box and, and you, have no, uh, you have no local file space 
you keep everything in the cloud. So what's what's the other thing that's interesting about it is the fact that you can uh, lease the laptop for uh, you know some some like thirty bucks or forty bucks or whatever it is, some relatively cheap price rather than buy it outright. Yeah, I um, thought that was very interesting. It's clever. an interesting idea. Totally. So I think this is a fantastic idea. I, the problem is I don't think we're ready for it. Um, it's, it's, it's coming, and I'm excited about how revolutionary it is, but we're not there yet. Yeah, I so. agree. I think that uh, – so I was doing – last week I was doing some work on uh, putting together a business plan, and, uh, and, the, and I was using – Here's the analogy that I would use. Um, so uh, for almost all of my docs or anything like that, I'll use Google Docs. Um, but for putting together this business presentation or this business plan, <clears throat> I, needed, I needed some of the things that I could only get in Microsoft Word. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, well, pulled, like what? I pulled Word out of the closet. What, what do you mean? And like, what did you need that of I Word? just wanted, I wanted more granular control over how it looked. Yeah, and I'm not. There's probably people that can do what I wanted to do in Google Docs. I'm just not one of those people yet. Yeah, it would take like ninja skills to to get right. it done. Yeah, you've yeah. got to be. You're in there hacking away at it. And I wanted really, you know, granular control. And so I went back to the old way of doing things. And <clears throat> and so I think that's that's kind of. I feel like we're uh, in the same place with this kind of thing where you've got. Yes, I can do almost everything. Uh, with a machine that's just on the net, I can, you know, I can run chat in a browser window. I can, I can do, you know, almost anything that I want to do over, you know, with this kind of machine. But there's going to be those. There's still going to be those times where I'm going to need something, uh, something local, yeah. and uh, and there's going to be for now. There's not going to be the equivalent tool that I can just go to a site and use. Number one missing feature for me is. Uh, no SSH, no terminal, no ability to uh, uh, get out. I don't know. Maybe maybe there is such a thing, but I certainly haven't seen it in anything that Google's put together. No, and I think you know. So if you're a you know if you are somebody that's uh, that doesn't need that kind of tool set or isn't a developer and doesn't need to you know compile code and run it, I think it's or you're just kind of a, a casual user of the web, which a lot of people are. Yeah, <clears throat> I think this gets really close. Yeah, uh, I think it, if I think about the things that, for instance, that my wife does in teaching our kids, um, she probably could do almost everything that she does on that machine. So, is what's the, what's the niche then? I mean, it's it's uh, it's uh, people who don't need, uh, you know, you're not doing a lot of media stuff. No, nope. you're you're everything is kind of you know simple docs focused. Yeah. Uh, or or like social media and uh, you know kind of playing around. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not a business if you, thing. Yeah, if you're a blogger, maybe it's it's right. probably a you know if I'm a blogger and I want a machine that I you know I don't care if somebody steals it or I don't care if it somebody runs over it with a car. Oh, I care. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's a it's probably a viable alternative. If yeah. I want to travel the world and you know if I've got to pick up a new one in you know. Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, then that's what I do. That's um, interesting. Yeah, that's so, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. So it, to me, it's, it has the feel of almost a disposable computer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we'll get there. I think, you know, we're on our way there with, uh, you know, mobile devices for sure. I yeah. mean, I can, right now, if I, assuming that I've, you know, been intelligent about backing my device up, I can, 
somebody can steal my iPhone and I can have it back up and running in minutes. Yeah. Um, I just go buy another one, restore it, and I'm right back to where I was. But you would have had to have the restore the uh, the backup there. You have to yep. do that regularly. And frankly, you know, yep. I, I I don't. So uh, yeah, you know. I plug my phone in once a day, at least. Really? Yep. Just to just because. Wow, just that's that amazing. Reason. So wow. Anyway, yeah. um, so what else? Anything happened? anything else we anything else we want to cover? Uh, uh, Google Facebook uh, privacy spat. Yeah, I feel like that's sort of yeah, been beat to death. Yeah. Uh, I think you know they're both uh, they both don't have uh, they don't have our interests. Uh, you know, their interests are their interests, and that's how they're going to operate. And I think that's what people need to learn from that is that both of these companies are going to do whatever they can to get as much information <laughs> as they can because that's the business they're in. Because they don't have enough already. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. No, I mean that, that's that's what they do, right? Yeah. Facebook's uh, Facebook's job is to accumulate as much information, and so is Google's. Yeah. So uh-huh. yeah. I think they'll violate as as much of the privacy as we will uh, as we will let them. We talked about that in our first show about the illusion of privacy. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so uh, we uh, we're interested in starting a new segment of the show this week, Anders, and uh, we're call it, we're going to we're what we're going to try to do is profile a company that you and I find interesting, or if not a particular company, uh, a at trend. least a trend or a, an industry that seems to be emerging. And for me, this week I had the I had the uh, pleasure this week of choosing the topic, and I find this this idea of. <clears throat> Uh, companies like Relay Rides and GetAround.com, this idea that I can rent my car to total strangers and let them drive it around for a day and make money at it, I find that to be pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's compelling. I mean, it's sort of the zip car, but you know, without the company paying for all the car stock. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Give, giving you a way to uh, to sort of make money off your car instead of leaving it in the <laughs> garage or the. Or uh, you know the, the parking lot or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think the the statistic is that uh, the average American drives their car seventeen percent of the time that they own it. Wow, um, that's a pretty staggering statistic when you think about it. So how does so how does this work? So 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 okay, I want to do it. Uh, how, how does this how does it work? Do you know? Have yeah, you run- have you I done Zipcar, by the way? I, I haven't done Zipcar, although uh, just because I haven't had a good opportunity to so, yet. So. So up here in Cambridge, in my building here, they have uh, they have Zipcar in the garage, and I was uh, uh, out one day w- with a, actually my neighbor here, and he had uh, Zipcar, and I'm like, uh, well, we need to go to such and such a place. It's like, oh, I'll just get a Zipcar. Whipped out his phone, uh, you know, grabbed his location, and we found a Zipcar nearby. We reserved it. We walk over. He's got a card. He places it against the window. All the locks open. You know, cars, the keys in the ignition, ready to go. Like and we just drove. It was fantastic. It was a great experience. So I'm wondering yeah. how this, how the experience here relates, because you know, so I think it's I think it's the same experience. So uh, really? from both of the uh, I haven't used either one, but from both of the uh, sites uh, marketing blather, I think uh, the way it works is I have you know I'm in an area and uh, I say I'm interested in getting a car. It shows me all of the cars that are around. Shows me what kind of car what kind of cars are around oh. and um, at least with get around they've got a the and I think the same is true of relay rides they've got uh, an in-car kit that uh, allows you to uh, not leave your keys in the car That's fantastic. and so you walk up to the car and I think with relay rides I think they've got something similar to zip car 
where uh, you know you put your thing up to the window and it on you know pops the locks and off you go. And I think um, I was on Get Around site and it looks like they've got a kit that plugs into the cigarette lighter or something like that that mm-hmm. I think does does a lot of the same things. Relay Rides, incidentally, is a Google-funded uh, venture, so that's going to be interesting to watch. Get Around, I believe, is uh, they were in TechCrunch a week or so ago, uh-huh. and I think they, they received a small amount, a small round of funding. So the idea, I guess the, the thing that's interesting to me is, would you, so here's the question, would you rent your car to a complete stranger uh, knowing that, uh, you know, it, uh, having the assurance that, you know, if he wrecks it or kills somebody, you know, they're not going to, it's not going to blow back on you personally. Um, would you be willing to do it? That's a $64,000 question. And the, the, that's the thing that's going to say whether or not this works or not. Yep. I, you know, I wouldn't, I don't think I would do it with, with our car, uh, my wife and my car, but I would think about buying a car to do this. Right. You know, just yeah. just get like a two hundred, three hundred dollar a month car, whatever it is, like a Honda or something, you know, reliable, and then see if you can work the numbers to get more than you know three hundred dollars or whatever you put into the thing. And and if you could at least a get a car to pay for yourself, I'd do it because then yep. you just get to drive a car around for free. Yeah, um, I think that, and I think I was that when I read about get around. Uh, the thing that I started thinking about was, well, you could almost become your own car rental agency as a business if you had the uh, – so instead of, uh, you know, the companies like um, like Zipcar where they're fronting you – know, the, the reason Zipcar has, has had to raise so much money, of course, is because they've got to buy yeah. all the inventory. Yeah. And so if you can push that – the procurement of inventory down to the consumer, now if – let's say I could – uh, you know, if I could have two cars sitting in my um, in my driveway, and I could make, let's say, I could make five hundred bucks a month yeah. um, on those cars, clear five hundred dollars a month, and I get to, and when they're not in use, I get to drive it around. Yeah, that's not a bad deal. Yeah, it is. The, but the question is, can they have they really solved in my mind the the true test of this model will be when somebody rents the car and either wrecks it or kills somebody, or something really horrible happens, and they try to sue the car owner. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely, they, they always say something about uh, insurance on this, but I, I you know, <laughs> it, it when the rubber meets the road, it'd be interesting to see. The other thing is, I don't think there is enough coverage in the area yet. It's kind of like uh, Uber. Um, yeah, uh, I know, agree. Yeah, the, the cab thing. There's just not enough inventory around yet, so... While there isn't inventory, it's sort of a vicious circle or a chicken and egg kind of thing. Nobody's going to, yep. you know, so, so you can't, I don't think I could go buy a Honda right now, put it in a garage, start renting the thing out and make any money. I'll lose no. money on that deal for now. But I am in a city. So, you know, five years, yeah, I definitely may be able to make that work. Be interesting to see what happens. So you're going to do it? I don't. There's neither one of the services are offered here in Raleigh, uh, uh, so I don't. I don't have the option to yet. I think uh, Get Around is only in San Francisco and Boston, and I think Relay Rise is in three or four cities. So they're very much in you know kind of major metro areas that where there's probably a bit more appetite for yeah. uh, for that sort of thing. We're still, as you know, we're still very much a uh, commuter culture here, and yeah. uh, and this this everybody has to own their own car to get around here yeah. because there is no mass transit. So. Yeah, I got to say, with Zipcar, I mean, Zipcar is the right thing to do in a city. 
because yep. you no just question. don't want to, yeah, you don't want to house a car. I think it costs us uh, $265 a month to house a car here. Yeah, um, and, that, and that doesn't account, you know, that doesn't even count having to pay for the car itself. Right? Yeah, that's, that's just a garage. That's just to have it around. Yeah, it's just crazy. Plus whatever yeah. the car costs, plus whatever the insurance is, and then whatever gas you use. So uh, yep. it's, a, it's very expensive. And then you use it like once a week, you know? Yep. Yeah, so, so you're you're probably you know you're probably if you had a car payment on that car you're probably you know it's a thousand bucks a month yeah. to keep that thing going. Yeah, at least uh, yeah. you know and and you know compare that to uh, eight bucks a, a week for uh, a zip car to zip over and grab some groceries or wherever you're going to go. Yeah, so and even if you got to uh, rent it for a full day, it's sixty bucks a day or fifty bucks sure. a day, right? So you do that four or five times a month, and you're still under three hundred bucks. Yeah, it's fantastic. So uh, yeah, yeah, to anyway. me, it's yeah, we'll see. Interesting stuff. Agreed. All right, let's. All right. Uh, so on to the uh, on to the major topic for this week. Our what Anders topic. and I wanted to talk about this week is is how we work, and uh, more particularly, what kind of equipment we use, and why we've made the decisions that we've made uh, as a way to frame up uh, upcoming podcasts and discussions about what's the right technology choice for for different kinds of people. So, Anders, why don't you talk a little bit about um, you're set up there in your uh, at your sweet pad in uh, in Cambridge, and uh, and why you use what you use and that sort of thing. So this is a topic I can't imagine anybody, any of our listeners, are not passionate about. Uh, you know, we we all work with computers. We're we're in technology. Uh, something that you you wheel up and sit in front of all day long has to be, uh, you know, you, you have to be, you have to A, care about it, and B, it's got to be adequate or, or, or good. And I found uh, over the years early on, spend as much money as you can, really, on, on monitors, because they last multiple computers. Uh, and, and a couple of other trends like that. But I'll just bring it down to the practical reality of today. I've got essentially three computers. I have this laptop that I'm using right now, which is a uh, it's actually a brand new Mac Pro, uh, MacBook Pro. It's really nice. It has uh, 512 gigs of solid state disk, um, a Core i7 chip, and whatever. So it's it's nice. It's, uh, the 15 inch. It's uh, the the non glossy screen. The the yeah. anti. That's nice. So nice. Anyway, yep. Yep. and a nice nice display. And pretty much what you get out of this machine is is uh, uh, you know adequate all the way around and it never breaks that's pretty much where i am with this uh outside of that i've got a mac pro and this is um interesting it's as time goes on certainly with the newer imacs i see less and less of a reason to buy a mac pro to the point where if i needed to get a new desktop type machine i probably wouldn't get a mac pro uh, i've got a mac pro it's got uh, uh 32 gigs of ram and and three 30 inch monitors on it which you know, <laughs> seems over the, you know, over the top, but, uh, you know, when you've Those got three Apple cinema displays, by they the way, are, right? yeah. yeah, I've got two of them, uh, two of them, uh, portrait and one of them landscape. The two portraits are kind of, you know, you keep, you read up and down and then the landscape is when you're, you're watching something or consuming content. Usually that's wide. So that's why, that's the way I have it in that, uh, uh, configuration. But the reason that it's like that is, is, yeah, I can save literally hours across the week 
just by glancing from one screen to another to read some piece of information, as opposed to putting my hands on the keyboard, swapping apps, you know, pulling windows around, trying to find whatever it is I'm looking at. So I generally can arrange it a lot better when I have just more space than I need. Arguably, thirty is uh, two, three thirties are too much. Two is a bare minimum. Uh, yeah, three, I agree. Yeah, three is is probably over the top a bit, but it's. Uh, Nice to have, and when you sit in front of it, you know, at least 10 hours a day, probably more, uh, you know, you need to have that. And then the last machine I have is a server, which sits in the closet, which w- runs Linux. Uh, uh, Scott and I were talking earlier about uh, Linux. I got into this in, um, I think it was 92. So it's almost 20 years of Linux that, that uh, I've been messing around with this operating system. It's been forever. Uh, so you might say I'm, I'm tied to it, but it's, it's the one operating system I can't really see letting go of. I let go of Windows, you know, and, and if something else, you know, if uh, the Chromebooks were to come and really become, you know, a, a very, very viable thing, I, I might walk away from a Mac UI, but I'm not going to walk away from, from Linux on the server side. I don't see anything anywhere near on the horizon that would push me away from that. So the server in the closet does a, uh, it's a virtualized server. I've got uh, eight virtual machines in there and uh, just a ton of disk space. And uh, I did a video on YouTube on how that thing is set up. Uh, if anybody's interested, what do you got? Uh, and, you know, so I, I, I have a somewhat similar setup to you. And I think the, so going back to your comment about uh, good displays, I remember when you and I first started working together at bandwidth.com in 2002, you had, <laughs> we went out and bought these old silicon graphics, 20 inch monitors. Yeah, the two, they were and, 21. They were fantastic. And they, I remember uh, the first day I sat down in front of that thing, I was like, where has this thing been all my life? It was just a fantastic. <laughs> screen and it really does change your uh, it changes the way that you work and then i think the next logical progression for me was you know having to have two monitors yeah and and what you said is absolutely productivity goes through the roof when you can have you know you've got a browser window open on one on one terminal where you're or on one display where you've got you're able to look stuff up and um you know whatever information you need can be on one and you're actually doing your work on the other one um, it's it's just a phenomenal way to work. Yeah. Um, so I've got I've got a about a two year old MacBook Pro is my primary machine. It's a three point oh six gigahertz. That's yeah, my primary. my primary machine. Yeah. I own I, if uh, wherever I go, it goes, uh, and I mean that literally. Um, I never leave it at home uh, unless uh, if so. If I'm going away for a night. Uh, or any extended period of time, even during the day, uh, that machine goes in the backpack and goes with me everywhere. And I wow. think, um, and I'll get to I'll get to why that is here in a second. So I've got a MacBook Pro that I've got hooked up to a 27-inch uh, widescreen monitor. Um, so for a, just a second display on that, and then I have, as you know, I do a fair amount of Microsoft.NET development. I've been yeah. in .NET since uh, really since its inception. And I've got some clients that I do some work for um, that still that are using .NET, and I like to stay current in it anyway. Uh, so instead of I tried the, you know, I tried Parallels and I tried uh, uh, VMware uh, Fusion. 
Yeah, I tried all of those, and I just couldn't get the performance that I wanted. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted something that was as fast as my Mac ran. And so I bought, last year when I started when I started Rocket Hanger, I bought a Dell um, i7 just screaming fast machine. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, a, it's a notebook. I forget. It's like an XPS notebook or who knows what it is. And they don't do it. They don't do a great job of dis, you know, differentiating their laptop lines. So yeah. it's just some generic Dell thing. Um, but it's just really fast, good machine. Um, and that I also have an external display on that. So if you were to look across my desk, I've got two notebooks on either end of the desk, and then I've got the two 27-inch monitors sitting dead in front of me. Wow. So, um, and no server? I've got, a, I've got an old Dell 1750 in the, uh, in the closet that I've, that's got some legacy stuff running on it. I'm just waiting for the customer to uh, not care about it anymore, and then I'm going to kick that thing, and that'll be that. Wow. <clears throat> So uh, I think the getting back to you know uh, the fact that I take my MacBook Pro with me everywhere. I, yeah. I really think about that machine in particular as so. If you're a you know if you're a prof- professional musician, if you're a prote- professional guitar player, you've got the guitar that you have to have. That's your you know it's, it's absolutely it, it is what makes you who you are. And for me, this machine um, is really I don't know how I would live without it. Uh, yeah. It's it's got uh, my I, it's not a it's not an exaggeration to say that most of my personal life and all of my business run on this machine, yeah. um, and so I guess my feeling is that you know what's the thing I can't live without? That's really it, and I do everything I can to make sure you know I, I use Time Machine to back it up and all those kind of things. But it's the it's just. Uh, and my wife laughs about it because she says, well, you know, you care more about that computer than you do just about anything else. <laughs> and, and, the, and, it's, uh, and it's just sadly true. Um, you know, there are – and my kids, of course, whine when I put it in the car. Well, why do you have to bring your computer your everywhere? Yeah, oh. you know. And, yeah. Uh, you know, because they want – they know that when the computer is with me, that means work can happen and that yeah. sort of thing. But, <clears throat> but I think the, it's, just a, it's just a remarkable piece of, of a equipment i just it never i've i've had two macbook pros i had the first one uh for probably four years and i still have it i handed that off to my (laughs) wife when i bought the new one um and it it runs the same today as it did when i bought it and it's just it just seems insanely slower because of the fact that i've got this one that's just way faster but yeah um I just the, they just do it right. It's just a it's you put your hands on it and you just feel like it just feels good. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 virtually indestructible. It's just uh, you know solidly solidly built. A lot of those plastic laptops you grab from the corner and just by the weight of the laptop, the thing just flexes ever so slightly. But yep. with a metal you know a laptop milled out of a single piece of solid aluminum, you know it's not screwed together. It's it's one giant piece of metal. It's yep. hard to, you know, you just have a much more solid feeling. However, on the other hand, no Macs have USB 3.0. Yep. They all have USB 2 or, or you know, obviously 1. So, so uh, and, and Apple has gone the direction of Thunderbolt. And this gets to why I think the iMac is a complete replacement for the Mac Pro. Because you had a Mac Pro because you, you needed drive space, you needed more monitors or, or whatever it was. And then maybe if you're like way into video editing, you need 
uh, some you know specific video card or whatever it is. But outside of that, you know, a, a Thunderbolt connection will give you display, you know, up to like six displays or something like this, and then just just wicked fast data to disk. Yep. So yeah, it's well, a revolution. It totally it really is. is completely. Yeah. It's the next. Uh, it's it's almost like it reminds me of when they came out with FireWire. Yeah. Um, and everybody else was sort of twiddling along at you know yeah, turtle speeds, and they come in and just blow the thing out with FireWire. Yeah. And then so. the same exact thing in terms of uh, speed is happening with uh, uh, Thunderbolt, but the but the key difference it's almost like. USB in the sense that you can go to display, you can go to any media device, you know, disc, whatever. Uh, It's going to become the de facto standard pretty soon. Uh, Yeah, that's totally speculation. Who knows that's actually going to happen, but it certainly seems it. Um, Yeah, and uh, and the thing about it is that, um, I mean, if you think about, I think the thing I hate, uh, so if if you were to talk about if you're asking me okay well what you've you rave about Apple products all the time what's the thing you don't like the thing I don't like about my MacBook Pro is that uh, or I should say one of the things I liked about kind of back in the day with the Dell machines is that they had the dock right where you could just yeah. come in you pull it out of the dock when you're on the road you put it back in the dock you've got keyboard you know you got everything set up the way you want it you just plug in and go yeah um, and so I, I'm looking forward to the day that Apple has that kind of experience uh, if they ever decide to do that it's, it's uh, people have tried to engineer aftermarket docking stations and they're just no good at all they, do you yeah. remember the duo uh, the 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 Mac, I don't know what they was called a MacBook, but the really long time ago in the 90s, the Duo, it's like a very, very thin black and white Mac. It had a dock. Did it really? Yeah. No, I, I, I was not, I was, no, I didn't partake of that. That was, it was, it was, you know, when we were riding dinosaurs, I mean, it was a long time ago, but it, it was a fantastic machine. It's sort of the, the analogous machine these days would be the MacBook Air, which, which incidentally you, you won't be able to get me to shut up about. Um, but it was, uh, the last computer that I can remember Apple did a dock for, and I'm, you know, I've got a desk, a desktop, so I'm not really hurting for a dock, but it is, uh, uh, it is an interesting thing. I do want to ask you one question though. What do you take when you travel? Like, do you take, when you try, I'm talking, get on the airplane, fly to California, you take both of those laptops? No, I, I generally won't. I'll leave. Uh, so I've got on the Windows box, I've got uh, you know some service that allows me to get onto the machine if I need to. Yeah. So I'll I'll usually leave that one up and running in the office, and I'll take I'll take my MacBook Pro. I obviously take my phone, and then lately I've been taking, as you know, when we were at South by Southwest, I won the uh, Samsung Galaxy Tab. Yeah. Uh-huh. At the AT and T meeting, and so that is my that is my Kindle. Um, really. Yeah, so I put Kindle on there, and uh-huh. so I, I usually don't leave home without those three devices. So I've got an actual physical Kindle, uh, and then, uh, you know, obviously my phone, and then I bring my iPad, which would kind of be my, yep. you know, and I have my laptop if I need to hack. Like, I need to, you know, write iPhone applications or, or do something like that. I mean, it can get in over SSH on the iPad and do, you know, mess around in routers, do whatever I need to do, generally if it doesn't involve you know, concentrated long-term, you know, text editing. But uh, yeah, I'm I, w- I would take my iPad if uh, it hadn't been co-opted by other members of my ah, family. Ah, okay. 
Okay, so so the the Galaxy Tab is really your stand-in for a Kindle as opposed to like a media player like I'm going to watch movies on. I know you said the movies are great on it. I, I know yeah, I didn't get Yeah, those. I really I like it. I like the movies yeah. on it. It's a good size. It's a really good size to travel with. It's small as uh-huh. you know, it's smaller than the iPad. Yep. Um <clears throat> and so it goes right in the front pocket in my bag, just slots right down in there nice and easy and it's, it weighs less than the iPad. Mm-hmm. Um What's the so, battery like? Battery's been great so far. Um, I can, as a as a Kindle, it'll last. I mean, it doesn't last as long as a Kindle, but yeah. um, it lasts me for any of the trips that I make. I generally don't have to worry about charging it unless I watch a movie or something like that on the plane. Right. So, well, I think that's. Uh, I think the. I think we've uh, beat that subject to death. Anything, totally. Anything you want to add before we before we move on? No, I'm such a fan of moving on because <laughs> we get to talk about Wall Street. Yeah. So. Uh, so this week's uh, trip down Amnesia Lane, uh, as we've as we've decided to call this segment of the show, uh, is about probably well not probably, it is my favorite movie of all time. No way. No hold. No question about it. No. Uh, that is way. Yeah, that is Wall Street. Uh, filmed in nineteen or uh, uh, released in nineteen eighty seven, late nineteen eighty seven, uh-huh. Oliver Stone film. Uh, when he was, uh, in my mind, this was in the heyday of Oliver Stone. Yeah. Uh, you had, you know, he was making the, what was that movie about Vietnam he made? Platoon. Uh, yeah, Platoon. Yeah. yeah, this was really when he was just cranking out movie after movie after movie. So, stars uh, Michael Douglas and Charlie Sheen are the are the two main stars. Oh, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Charlie Sheen, that poor guy. Uh, yeah. He's uh, he's taking a good thing and sort of running into the ground. It seems. Um, so, what was your uh, what was your first exposure to to Wall Street? I got to tell you, this movie. So, I I didn't see it in the theater. I saw this. Uh, uh, I guess probably you know be in the '80s on tape uh, at some point. But uh, so. For those of you who don't know, I, I lived out on Long Island when I grew up in Stony Brook area, which is about 50 or so miles uh, east of New York. And uh, the train station was right there. You could hop on the train, you know, two hours later, you're in, you're in Manhattan. I saw this movie. It opened my eyes to what was going on in the financial district in, in uh, New York, and it lit a passion in me to go work on Wall Street. And so I did. I mean, it was it, this. This movie absolutely just opened my eyes to a how much fun business can be. So much more fun to me than what was going on at school, which was which was probably not a great thing. But uh, uh, it it just just drew me in. I mean, you know, I'm, I didn't run off to become an inside trader or anything. I was obviously in tech, so I was doing uh, technical type projects, and I eventually ended up working at Dow Jones. But uh, uh, this movie was absolutely fundamental in in getting me fired up about uh, <laughs> what you could do. You know, greed yeah. for the lack of a better term is good. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but uh, Oliver Stone actually did not want Michael Douglas to play the role of Gordon Gecko. Really? So he originally uh, had Warren Beatty in mind. Oh, that would have uh, been good. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been a Warren Beatty fan. I know he's, really? I know he's, uh, you know, he's a good actor and all of that. But I've just, you know, my kind of my, I think, I think it has to do with the my first exposure to Warren Beatty was that Heaven Can Wait movie. Oh yeah, uh, and okay, that was just yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so he he wanted Warren Beatty. Beatty said no, um, and then he uh, he went after Richard Gere. 
uh, <laughs> secondarily. Yeah. And uh, Richard Gere either had a conflict or just wasn't interested. Uh-huh. And uh, so he chose Michael Douglas for the role of Gordon Gecko. And after you see the movie, uh, I don't know how you would ever want anybody else. I mean, he was just perfect. He, you know, he won an Oscar for his role. Just an awesome. He was a powerhouse. Um, yeah, he was. Just, I mean, oh, he wow. made the, he, he's made the movie. Yeah. Um, Blue Horseshoe, Blue Horseshoe loves some Michael Douglas. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I remember I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma in, uh, in early or late 1987, early 1988, going to school uh, yeah. out there. And I remember I came back from uh, Christmas break and in the first couple of weeks uh, in the new semester, I went to see this movie. I could tell you the theater that I saw it at. Really? Uh, I could tell you what street it was on. I can tell you the whole thing. <clears throat> and so I saw it at this, uh, this theater on 41st Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I wa- at the time, I was a pre-law major uh, in college. Really? And so I was, I was on the track. I was you know, writing okay. tons of papers, and you know, life was miserable. I was like, why am I doing this? I can't stand it. Um, <clears throat> and so I went to see this movie, and... Uh, I walked out of the theater and said, I have to do something like that. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I, uh, at, the, at the end of that second year, I changed my major to business and uh, started taking all you know, economics and accounting and all of the just kind of base level business classes. And then eventually found my way and I decided to major in finance. And so I took all of the, you know, I took all the banking and stock trading classes and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff and then got out of school. And to my uh, regret to this day, never went to Wall Street. Oh man! <laughs> so it's it's the story is a great story right up until I say until the punchline. That is uh, so. So would you? So you picked economics and all because of this movie? I I, I changed my major because of this movie. Okay. See now, there's the, how could you argue that it's it's the most influential movie for you? I mean, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I mean, it, it's it changed the it completely changed the trajectory that I was on. Wow! And I and I remember sitting in that first semester of business classes. I was like, oh yeah, really? This is yeah. It was just like it all just made sense. Yeah. Uh, I loved economics. I loved the study of money, absolutely, um, <clears throat> and how it works and all of that sort of thing. So let's talk about some of the uh, some of your some of our favorite scenes in the movie. For <laughs> me, yeah. <laughs> for me, there's a the it's just. Uh, I could just go on and I've, and, and for those of you that don't know me, um, I've probably watched this movie no less than 75 times. <laughs> um, so I take it, we talked about traveling earlier. This movie is always in my travel bag. What? Really? Yep. I really? have the D I have the DVD. No way. I do it old school, man. I oh. pop in, I pop in the DVD and I'll watch it anytime anywhere if there's not if there's not something good uh so between this movie and green street hooligans uh they're the two movies i always have uh i've newfound respect for you if you carry around a physical dvd yeah (laughs) i just and and i'll I'll tell you why i love it yeah it's because i want to be able to share it ah okay okay yeah it's because i'll get to talking about it and somebody will say well i've never seen that movie Ah. and i'll say Uh, here you you go here it is (laughs) here you go wow and wow. so I think uh, some of my favorite, yeah, favorite probably scene. my first uh, favorite scene in this movie is it's, uh, it's a ways down. 
Uh, or actually, it's, it's towards the beginning now that I think about it. But when he and uh, one of the best relationships in this movie, in my mind, is uh, the one between he and Marv. Yeah. The guy, the guy that he works with at totally. Jackson Steinem. Exactly. So <laughs> Marv, is a, and it, Marv is now on, well, what's that show on NBC? Scrubs. Um, so you, <clears throat> I don't watch the show, but I know he's on there. Um, but just the so these guys are you know two young stallions just out of school. They think they've got the world by the you know by the tail. And I'll give you chi- what is it, Nicks and chicks? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, you you know churn them and burn them. Churn and burn them, baby. And, <laughs> yep. and uh, so those guys are. It's it's exactly how you know when you watch that relationship. That's exactly what I had in mind coming out of school. Was you know you're in this office, you're crammed in, yeah. You're and you're just hammering with all these guys, and uh, you know Bud Fox is trying to get going. Marv's kind of, Marv's been there a couple of years, dude, and, and they, they, he, they nailed it in this movie i gotta tell you from firsthand experience being on the trading floors in new york nailed it this is yeah. exactly what it's like it's like you know just a, it's like a locker room i mean yeah you know you just yeah. it, it's fantastically well you know like right on the money just yeah. right on the money and I, the, the, one of the things I like about the trading floor scenes is the dynamic between, you know, the young bucks and the old guys that have been doing it forever. Yeah. You know, you got this guy that uh, sits at the end of their row <clears throat> and, you know, he's been divorced a couple of times. Yeah. Um, you know, he's always got his head in his hand and you can just tell the streets kind of beat him up. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you've got, uh, you know, kind of the, uh, the archetypal professional in uh in lou manheim uh-huh. uh the guy that runs jackson steinem yeah you know who's always kind of you know putting his arm around bud and giving him the sage advice of a guy that's been doing it for 35 years and and uh yeah i love the scene where he says <clears throat> where bud fox is making money you know hand over fist obviously illegally and you know that you know that lou knows that there's no way he can be doing it on the up and up with yeah. the with the run he's got going and uh <clears throat> and so he pulls butt aside and he says you know you can't get a little bit pregnant son <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and and Bud Fox just kind of says, "Yeah, yeah, you old geezer, you know." Yeah, he just kind of walks away, saying, yeah. "Yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm yeah. fine. There's, there's, they'll never find me out." Yeah. But uh, I think the uh, so those are kind of some interesting scenes. I also, uh, you know, obviously the scenes, uh, the first scenes with uh, between Bud Fox and Gordon Gecko, yeah, uh, just epic. Yeah, when he's harpooning the whale. Yep. Yeah, yeah, when he when he bags the elephant and yeah. then and then he gets introduced. So he thinks, you know, Bud Fox thinks that Gordon Gecko is the guy he wants to be, and he's got him up on a pedestal. And so he gets a, you know, he finally gets a meeting with him. And I, you know, that great scene where he gives him the box of cigars and yeah. Gordon Gecko shreds the shreds his card right in front of him and says, you know, give me some, tell me something I don't know, um, <laughs> and uh, he's just. Uh, it's just fantastic the way Gordon Gecko is just ruthless. Yeah, he doesn't care about anything except making money. Chomping down on a cigarette, just like, uh, and then then the coolest thing is that picture on the wall. I think it's uh, like in the the lobby before he comes in. You see this guy is smoking this 
you know, $100 bill or whatever. This is fire just burning away the money. It was so, you know, you're walking into the lion's den when you walk into this office is the idea yeah. he gave. Yeah, and he's got, you know, he's got the his uh, his number one trader there, Ollie, the, you yeah. know, the heavy set guy that's yep. just, he's in, he's in the trenches with him, you know, his number one guy. Yeah. And, uh <clears throat> And just fantastic. And I love one of my favorite scenes, and another one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they go to play. Uh, they go to Gordon Gecko's health club. Yeah, basketball. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and they're in there, and you know he's just wearing Bud Fox out. So you got <laughs> Gordon Gecko's, you know, who's twenty five or you know twenty years older than Bud Fox, probably in the movie <clears throat> at least, and he's just killing him. Yeah, absolutely killing him on the court. You know, and he's just making you know making fun of him the whole time, and uh, <clears throat> and so you know they go to the sauna, and Bud Fox has to give him the bad news that he's lost his money, yeah. you know, that he bet on some stocks that didn't work out, and of course this is when Gordon starts to reel him in, yeah. uh, <clears throat> and he says you know they're standing there and they're getting dressed and you know he says I bet you analyzed that you know dog. <laughs> stock you sold me all night and where did that get you and yeah and bud fox just kind of looks at him like holy crap you know? <laughs> how does he know <laughs> yeah. what am i gonna do yeah and he said and gordon gecko says get dressed i'll show you my charts yeah and he and he yeah. starts to introduce him to but he only did that after bud fox uh uh showed some teeth showed some like i'm not going down you know and jumped right back at him he's like and then he smiles and he says all right i'll show you you know I'll show yeah. you my stocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he goes in and they, you know, they're riding in the limo and, uh, and he kicks him out of the limo, you know, he hands him his umbrella. It's pouring rain. And he says, you know, I got things to do if I think this is the end of our relationship. Um, and then, and so he starts to pull away and Bud Fox taps on the window yep. with his umbrella and says, all right, Mr. Gecko, you've got me. You got me. I'm in. So, <laughs> yeah. but he did it twice. That was the second time he did it. You know, he had to really show some, some, uh, some get up and go. Yeah. I, I think the, the coolest thing about this film are the, uh, all it's so quotable. Information oh, yeah. is the most valuable commodity. Life yeah. comes down to, a f you know, a few moments. This is one of them. And yeah, one of one of my favorite quotes: "Mixed emotions, buddy, like Larry Waldman going off a cliff in my new Maserati." That's exactly right. <laughs> Guy he hates, you know. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's very very quotable. And also, if you look at the um, the that big speech that he gave when uh, he's in front of the uh, yeah, tell our paper. Yeah, and he he lays this whole thing out where you know where he basically says you know greed for lack of a better word is good yep. where he shows you that you know that's basically what makes capitalism work yep. it's harnessing this uh this uh thing that's usually considered negative for a positive you know result yep. uh, uh and uh, i think he just he laid it out brilliantly like how it how it works of course he was going over the top and all but uh sure. i thought it was done well what do you, what did you think about Daryl Hannah? I didn't like her. I, 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 but you know, I guess I never did. So I, she was, you know, I, if to me, it was hard to understand their little relationship, Bud and Daryl Hannah, they, she, you know, when they first 
meet up he's like you know this this painting on the wall is a few thousand bucks down the toilet yeah she's like that's four hundred thousand dollars and it's an investment and you're an idiot yeah you know but you know she was coming at so she was like you know in the art world and had a whole different thing what in the world does she see in bud fox well so as you know he's you know she has had a relationship with gordon gecko yeah Mm-hmm. And so I think she sees in Bud Fox yeah, the, the next Gordon Gecko. Yeah, yeah. So she's so, just looking for money. Yeah, but I mean, it, she's looking for the next ride, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. She and wants I think, a challenge, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. But that, you know, at the beginning, you don't get it because he's obviously poor. Yeah. Um, but I think what makes him attractive to her is that he's in Gordon Gecko's camp. Yeah. And she knows yeah. from it's experience safe. anybody in that camp is going to make a pile of money yeah, or not going to be in there very long. Yeah. What did you think of her? Do you like her? I thought, you know, for all of the reasons that I love this movie, I just wish she hadn't been a part of it. <laughs> That's um, hilarious. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, I didn't, I thought she was, I mean, I remember Daryl Hannah from Splash. Splash, and, yeah. And I just thought she wasn't a very good actress in this movie. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't, I don't really have much more detail other than that. She just her the way she talked and the way she her mannerism just bugged me. Yeah. Um and still does. I watched the movie and I just wish that she wasn't in it. I yeah. wish it was somebody that was I feel like it would it it would do better with somebody that um I don't I she wasn't believable in her role. Yeah. I think for me it was a lot of it. I didn't Well what what would she have needed to be? A little bit more airheady? No, I think uh, the opposite. I mean, okay. if you're a, if you're a high powered interior designer in New York City, yeah, I mean, you're just you're yeah, a, you're yeah. an astute businesswoman, and you're, you know, I just I never got that feel from her. She felt too ditzy yeah. to me, yeah, you know. Okay. And maybe she was successful because, you know, she knew the right people or whatever it was. But I just, I don't know. I just never, I never bought it. Yeah. Um, and that and it still bothers me. But you know. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what else? What are, so we, you know, the movie progresses and, you know, Bud Fox, as we know, um, eventually coughs up this inside information on Blue Star Airlines, which yeah. is his dad's, you know, his dad's one of the union chiefs um, at this airline. His dad tells him something over dinner about, uh, about the next, uh, about the fact that they're about to win, uh, you know, this legal settlement. And it's going to open up new gates, and they're really going to start to take off. And Bud Fox kind of looks at him like, "Are you sure? You know, are you sure this is going to happen?" Yeah. And and he kind of has this sideways look, and his dad completely calls him on it. Right? He says, yep. "You know, you got that look in your eye." Mm-hmm. Um, so he knows that something's not quite right. And so Bud Fox sells his sells his dad's airline down the river, um, as where it, as where it ends up. Um, to make make himself a pile of cash. Yeah, um, and that's what, and to be fair, that's what gets him in the door with Gecko. Yep, uh, because he doesn't. The relationship doesn't happen unless he's got information that Gordon Gecko doesn't have. Because he, uh, you know, there's nothing that happens on the street without Gecko knowing about it. And so this is something that's it is purely inside information. And that's uh, we come to find out later on in the movie that this is how. Gordon Gecko makes all of his money. Yeah. And it's based on information. And then you go, you know, you bring Larry Wildman into it, this, <laughs> you know, British, uh, British royalty and not royalty, but you yeah, know, he's, well, a, sir. 
yeah, he's knighted and, you know, he's got, he's got all of that air about him. And I thought Larry Wildman's probably one of my favorite characters in this movie. Uh-huh. He's just fantastic. Yeah. You've got this, you know, this kind of arrogant, pompous British guy, you know, competing, competing with the, you know, the CCNY, uh, you know, I always, you always think Larry Wildman's probably an Oxford grad or a Cambridge grad. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's just got this pedigree, and then you've got Gordon Gecko, who's kind of just like this street dog, yeah, um, and has has just been after him forever, um, and is trying to dethrone him as kind of the king of, uh, of the king of finance, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, good stuff. Good they, stuff. It is the other cool thing about this film are the uh, just the absolute vintage. I I can't even believe we 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 use these things without laughing enormous cell phone you know all of the, like the interior design was horrible just horrible oh yeah and and the and the film the 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 um it was typical of the 80s the film is shot very dark and i don't know if that's like i mean certainly uh, it was darker but was it supposed to be that dark in some of these scenes you can't even see people's faces clearly you have to like turn up the brightness it's it's uh, it's crazy but that's yeah. you know maybe it'd that's be interesting style. to know uh, it'd be interesting to have a conversation with Oliver Stone and find out if that was intentional. Yeah, because uh-huh. their movie is very dark, and a lot of the music is dark. Yeah, the dun dun you know, when, dun dun. Whenever yeah. anything's happening that's interesting, it's not upbeat and yeah. happy. Um, yeah. Because these guys are breaking the law. Anytime something's interesting is happening, yeah. yeah. And so it's, but uh, you know, really the only light moment is our talking heads. Uh, <laughs> you know, when the, when when Bud Fox and Darian are making dinner you know, in his new Upper East Side apartment. Yeah. Um, and that's really the only light part of the film. Yeah. And then the and, credit roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it ends on such a negative note, you know? Yeah. Like yeah, he's going exactly. to jail. Um, but uh, so the other thing that was interesting and, and, of course, very authentic about this were the stocks with, uh, with uh, fractions. And, uh, you know, it yes. got me. Yeah, you know, exactly. Remember right. that they all used to have, like, you know, 37 and an eighth, you know, whatever. There was always like some weird fraction you're seeing there. Like, why are they doing these fractions? And, you know, it only sounds weird now because in roughly 2000 or so, they, uh, you know, New York Stock Exchange pretty much uh, started it. They, they did the decimalization of the of yeah. stocks and suddenly, yeah. you know, you, the jumps weren't so big anymore. Um, yeah. You know, you can make money on, on very, very slight moves. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you had this, you know, you, when they would show the ticker in the office, yeah. it always had the, you know, it was just that small LCD display. Yeah, made, made of blue, of a green LEDs, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> but it did, that was exactly the deal. I was on the uh, the Bankers uh, Trust uh, trading floor in New York, right across the street uh, from the World Trade Center. And they had that going around the inside of pretty much the entire floor, the yep. entire floor. And this is a 24-hour trading floor. There's somebody always, always working on that floor, and it was the blue, the uh, the green lead thing, and it would just, it was nonstop, and I don't know what they would put on it at two o'clock in the morning. The the you know the the maybe the Japanese exchange or something. I have, I have no idea. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but that reminds me of a scene where uh, you know where Gordon's on his you know his huge cell phone walking yeah. on the beach, yeah. and uh, you know he calls Bud Fox at five in the morning, <laughs> and Bud Fox has got to stumble out of bed and you know gets to the phone and he says, "I just made eight hundred thousand in Hong Kong gold." Yes, <laughs> you know, I'm wiring it to you. Play with it. Um, 
you've yeah. done good, but you got to keep doing good. Yep. Uh, you know, making it clear that uh, it doesn't mean anything what you have done. Yeah. So what were your, what were your, as we wrap up here, what were your, what was your takeaway from this movie? What's the, what's the thing that when you think about wall street, what's the, what's the thing that you remember? The um, thing, well, the thing that, so not, not the movie in particular, but what scares me is how easy the insider information thing <laughs> is to exploit and keep quiet. And I, the strength of the financial system is in its ability to, uh, uh, you know, adhere to rules <laughs> as much as possible, right? So, it, it, you know, anytime you get insider trading, you, you know, you're kind of taking unfair advantage and blah, blah, blah. But it just seems like, okay, back then he did it by clipping a little, you know, a little name tag on and coming in as a, as a you know, somebody cleaning the floor or whatever it was to yep. do his and so but now, nowadays yeah. like that now you do it with cyber you right know, cyber you do spot. it yeah and then it, it in many cases it's far less trackable so it kind of like kind of scares me on the other side i want to go to wall street and and do an entire insider trading scheme you know oh i know just get yeah, you fired up it's like let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's go, go make, make a pile killing. of money yeah so oh, <laughs> yeah anyway. yeah i think for me uh, it was uh uh, just the allure. It was really the first time that I felt the pull of making a lot of money, yeah, uh-huh. and what that what that means, and <clears throat> and of course, and the and I think the moral lesson, of course, that Stone's trying to um, trying to communicate is, you know, you've got to make if you it's okay to make a lot of money, but you got to do it the right way, yeah. Um, and you know, and uh, you and I have been in corporate America long enough to know that the secrets there are really. I mean, just this idea: it would be so easy to make money off of information that you just hear. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're a consultant or you know working in an organization, you hear so much about what's happening, <clears throat> and and just the uh, the temptation that you have to take the easy way. Um, totally and, agreed. And then the, you know, of course, the the punishment that, you know, you might, you may or may not get caught, but if you do, you will go to jail. Oh, I mean, it is a look- test of character because you don't do it because you don't go to jail, you know, because if that's where that's way you're doing, I mean, you know, you're gonna you're gonna screw up. You got yeah, it. And, you yeah, know. and you see that with these guys, and and certainly not in this last round of, you know, the economic, uh, the recession, and all of that. Yeah. More of those guys should have gone to jail. There's yeah. no question. But you know, you had uh, uh, Ken Lay from Enron. Uh, you know, he did. It was essentially the same movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All over Played again. Yeah. yeah. It was. You know, yeah. he tried to t- he did things the wrong way and ended up going to the hole for a long time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, and so. It's just a fantastic movie. I think uh, it's it's the best Oliver Stone movie I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Um, and it's you know I'll for me for me it's the as I said it's it's the it literally changed my life. Wow, that's so. compelling. I did not know that. And yeah. on that bombshell, <laughs> exactly right. So until next time, what do we got coming up next time, Anders? Have we yeah. even talked about it? I don't think we have. I have yeah. no idea. We're going to find out. We'll um, make it up as we go along. Yeah, we've got a whole list of uh, movies we can talk about and. Uh, they're very wide ranging. Uh, so uh, if let's, you've, let's talk about how uh, how people get in touch with us. Absolutely. So you can always find us at three five zero dash third dot com three fifty dash third dot com. Uh, you can search for us on iTunes three fifty space third. 
Uh, and you can find us uh, via Twitter there. I'm Anders94 on Twitter, and you are? I am Scott Barstow. Do we have a Twitter address for, for, for the show? Not yet, I don't think. We do I don't that. think so either. Yeah. Um, we probably should. I'll do that. Yeah, yeah we so we'd, we'd love to hear from uh, from you guys and if there's subjects that you, if you, things you find interesting or things you hate we want to know about it either way absolutely and please leave uh, comments um, be honest but be go easy on us on iTunes uh, and tell tell friends about us and let you know let them know we're, we're doing this uh, we will keep doing it at a little bit more of a regular schedule now probably going to be uh, doing this weekly now so yep. that's the plan alright honors until next time Till next time. All right. Adios. Bon voyage. It's okay, I know nothing.